So in our last episode, it was really the big episode. It was you getting together physically with family, the whole reunion, meeting your mom face to face. Yeah, quite incredible. Really a very powerful and special time together. And then COVID happened and we really couldn't get together anymore. So welcome back to Finding Gina Marie, our video podcast about discovering family and our eventual relocation to Europe. This is episode nine. And if you've missed any of the other episodes, you can go to findinggenemarie.com. We have all the information on those. And we also have contact information that you can get a hold of us. In this episode, we need to talk about kind of what happened after that. The transition you went from, wow, I got to hang out with family to, you know, let's learn how to use Zoom and let's learn how to get together on video and FaceTime and everything else. It's It was quite a transition. Yes, it was. And it was literally right after we met in person. One it, week, right? Right. Yep. None of the world knew how to navigate no. what was happening and nobody knew how long it was going to last. All I knew is that there was a part of me that immediately wanted to meet meet up with family, but there was no way to do that. Yeah, in fact, even San Francisco itself started to look like a ghost town. The restaurants were starting to close one by one and the streets started to be empty. And it was a weird feeling. There was a lot of excitement around all the connections you had made and the conversations. You had some pretty cool Zoom calls and some very creative things that you did, right? This was when I had the opportunity to have a phone call with the sister that I had originally been talking to. And then I also had been introduced and connected with my other sister and who also lived in Buffalo. And that was just really an exciting time to get on the phone and really make these connections. But of course, they were 2,000 miles away during a, a pandemic. And so there was no chance to meet in person, even though it was my heart's desire. Yeah, but they were sisters. So going from having two brothers to now having two sisters, that was a huge thing for you. I, I, I really saw your eyes light up when you were talking to them and just how many things you got to share and just catch up over the decades of things that happened in your family's life. Sure. And getting to know my nephews a little bit more, which was also neat. So uh, really a wonderful time. I feel like we definitely made the best of being in lockdown. In fact, one of the aunts who had hosted the event, the meetup, the reunion, the reunion invited me to a zoom call where she taught me how to make ricotta gnocchi. (laughs) which was very cool. I'd never heard of anything other than potato gnocchi. And she had grown up making this. So it was very cool. She and my other aunt got on a Zoom call along with their significant others. And it was it was a very fun experience to kind of get to do Italian things with my Italian family (laughs) and recipes that my grandmother had made. And it, it was really wonderful. Yeah, and I'm always happy when you can learn to make new foods. And <laughs> did you did you learn pizzelles at the time? At that time, or um, it was wasn't later? until Christmas. But yes, mm-hmm. I had learned to make pizzelles, which are a lovely, delicious, light uh, Christmas cookie. When I was growing up in school, there was a friend of mine who had an Italian relative, I think his mother, and he used to bring pizzelles in all the time (laughs) at Christmas. And I just remember how lovely and delicious they were. And it was very cool to get my grandmother's recipe in her handwriting and have an opportunity to make those. And I ended up sending them to my mother. I forgot you actually got some handwritten stuff from your family too. Yep. And my aunt had brought up some homemade bread and some manicotti. 
which was made with crepes, which I had never heard of any kind of Italian food made not with actual pasta. So this was more of an egg batter that got rolled. And I felt as though they were taking me through a lot of their family recipes. And I don't know, I think food is so connected to Italian culture that I just really felt like I was being um, indoctrinated in the most wonderful of ways. Food is love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> believe me, food is love. <laughs> in fact, I'd even shared some recipes regarding everybody that did sourdough starters during COVID. Oh, right. The big sourdough starter. Oh, I forgot about that. That yeah. was, everyone was doing their sourdough starter. And learned about zero, zero, uh, flour, which was we really get. hard to get. So order having to order that online, but it made better bread and it made better pizza. And I was doing a whole bunch of homemade recipes as making homemade pasta for the first time and homemade ravioli. I think everybody in this family was eating pretty well during COVID. <laughs> Nobody was starving, that's for sure. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so I was definitely preoccupied with everything that was happening with my family and getting uh, to spend time with them virtually and just talking and communicating with all of these relatives. But as wonderful and exciting as it was for me, I don't know that you had the same experience. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Unrelated to family or anything like that. But. Right. I didn't have, well, I wasn't, I wasn't discovering all this new stuff. I mean, I was enjoying some new foods. That was, <laughs> that was great. But I wasn't having the same direct experience that you were having. And where I was in 2020 was working from home, which I had done most of my life because I was an entrepreneur. I'd start my own company and I'd not rent office space. I'd work from home. So I knew how to work from home, but this was different. It wasn't that you were just home. You were home and you couldn't do the things you normally did. You couldn't have the option of just going out and doing something. You kind of had to stay home. So it wasn't just work from home. It was work from home, eat from home, live from home, stay home. And I think that was starting to get to me. I resented the fact that people thought that this is what working from home was like. Even the people that were working remotely already, they weren't, they weren't, their job didn't change. They didn't suddenly go to the office and stay home. They were already working from home, but they felt different. So there was this stress that was really pounding on me and a lot of other people. And, and if you have any stories like that, we'd love to hear in the comments if you've had a rough 2020. I know there was a lot of us going through that. Luckily, you had so much family stuff going on. I think that gave you this really bright spot and this lift. I was just missing some of the things that I enjoyed doing. And I felt more and more claustrophobic. You know, that apartment was 850 square feet. It was a lovely apartment. We were thrilled to have it. But after six years and, and our, our one son was living with us. And so three people, one bedroom, one bath, a lot of complications when you say you can't go out. And we had to find a way to make it work with both of us working from home yeah. and we had no space for that. No, we didn't. And after a while, it's like, wow, we're really living within a few feet of each other all the time. And no matter how much you love everybody around you, there's a tension. So in January of 2020, I had started my own YouTube channel, which allowed me to figure out how to do this one. It was whiskey riffs and I was reviewing whiskeys and playing some guitar. Which you're still doing. Which I'm still doing. It's still there. But the idea of it was I wanted to put out videos every week. And as we got to the June 
time period of that year, I was even having trouble getting the energy to do that. Like I would skip two, three weeks. I was probably going through a little depression. I was going through a struggle of just everything that was happening in the world at the time. It all felt like it was coming down on me. Well, mental health is definitely a thing that our family has struggled with over the years. And it's something that's important to talk about because lots of people suffer in silence. And I'm glad that you spoke up and would express how you were feeling. You really made the effort to take care of yourself. You weren't feeling up to recording videos and you just really needed to protect your mental health at the time. And we absolutely understood, but it still was very difficult to watch you go through that. I think the transition happened when our apartment building said, you know, we'll give you a discount on your rent if you up for 12 months. We'll give you a bigger discount if you sign a 14 month lease. And we're starting to think, well, why are you giving us this discount? Well, at the time, people were starting to move. San Francisco is a really expensive place to live. And when people were working remotely and they could work from anywhere, why would you choose to work in the most expensive city in the world or one of? Especially when you weren't going to be able to like enjoy the things that were happening in your city. So housing prices in San Francisco as a result were lowering because of the lack of people actually wanting to rent or renew their leases. Yeah, and I think we had a couple people on our floor of our apartment building that already moved. So they were starting to worry about people leaving and they were trying to give us incentives. And we really enjoyed our apartment. It was a lovely apartment. We couldn't ever imagine leaving. But three people in a very small amount of space, we decided that it would be foolish for us not to... At least look around. That's what we did. We just decided, all right, well, what can it hurt to wander around the neighborhood and see what other apartment buildings are available? And that was a fun little diversion, but it also was pretty productive. I mean, we found three or four places right away that were interesting enough and about the same price as we were paying for a bigger space. I don't know that those apartments would have been available to us it had COVID not happened no. because the price would have been outside of our budget. One of them was just a timing thing. And in fact, that's the one we picked because it was occupied for 20 years or something, right. a previous resident. And when I was looking originally in 2014, the prices for a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment were much higher than they were when we picked up this place that we're in right now. Originally, I thought, well, this doesn't really have the view that I was looking for, but it's because San Francisco has fog. (laughs) And the first few times that we had visited, it was overcast and we couldn't actually see the views. And The view is of the bridge, but that is the first view that gets obscured when the fog rolls in. So we're looking out the window and it looks like a nice distance, but all we could see was fog and it was kind of a cloudy day. And it's you were, the Golden you, Gate Bridge, and yeah. we can see the water. And yeah, but you were really—you were like, I don't know. We're losing our pretty view of the east side of the city. I said, Well, let's not give up on it just because we can't see anything. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't give up on it. Right, we didn't. And, and I have to pinch myself many days just to think how lucky we are to be living in a place like this. Right, and I think it was again that moment of let's just try instead of just sitting on our butts and saying, Well, we're here. Let's just not worry about it. Let's just renew. We just took a chance and said, let's just do something different. Let's see if there's a possibility. And again, it paid off for us to say yes to an opportunity. Getting this new apartment, which we ended up getting in September of 2020, gave me a lot of energy. Well, and we also took the trouble to go through. We had a storage unit for the entire six years we'd been here. We decided to purge a lot of things that we just didn't feel like we needed anymore. Clutter or just things that we weren't using and- 200 to $300 a month. To store. To store. 
it's like, why are we doing this? But there was just such a lift in energy to feel like we had more space and that we had cleared some of the clutter out of our lives. Well, we were packing anyway. So we're in that process of deciding what we're taking to the new apartment and how much stuff we could bring in from the storage unit at the time. Maybe there's some room for that stuff. And if there isn't, why are we keeping it? So it was a whole process of let's just rethink everything. Even though we only moved three blocks, it wasn't a huge move. You would think it was a huge move because those movers were not happy with the six flights. They had to bring stuff down and everything in their old apartment. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good time to just clean house and figure out what our priorities were. Right. Another thing that was interesting was now that you found this family, you started finding out more about them. And I think some of them were talking to you about dual citizenship for Italy. Didn't one or two of your relatives have that? Yes. So I have a cousin and her family who ended up all getting Italian dual citizenship. It was it was actually something that I had asked them about as well, because okay. if you recall, when we were in Italy in 2019, you actually had said, you know, I could actually see ourselves living in Italy. Right. Yeah. I just couldn't see how we could. You know, there was not that. What's the tie in? How do we how do we get over here? And then when you found all your family, it's like, well, is this a a link? Is this a way to have that connection? And maybe maybe you have something that lets us actually live there with family connections. When we were talking about living in Europe, we never really got as far as to think about what you'd what you'd need, that you'd need a visa and that the country has to actually give you permission to yeah. live there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I toyed with, there was an Apple office in Paris that had a beautiful view. <laughs> I said, well, maybe I should, you know, get more friendly with those guys. I knew them and maybe I can move over there and we can live in Paris. And yeah, it was by the Eiffel Tower. I yeah, they had a view of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. <laughs> so we did talk about that, but it, we weren't really serious about that. After we had moved to San Francisco, we were thinking, you know, this is our place and our jobs and everything else. I don't know. I still thought about that <laughs> as being a viable option, but it was interesting when you said I could see ourselves living in Italy. And so that definitely was exciting for you, for you to have a buy-in without me even having to push on it. Yeah. I love Florence. I mean, just the idea that we were exploring, we had this beautiful river by us. We were just walking around all the time. I don't know. It felt like San Francisco without the hills. There was so much we could just go and look at. And it was so old. There was so much history there. It felt like you were just drenched in the past. And I just love that. That to me, architecture and history is a renewal, just like the water here for San Francisco. We can go down by the bay and just enjoy that water. That's a, a refresher for me, just like history and architecture and rivers. <laughs> Outside of this one cousin and her immediate family that were able to do it, there's a lot of rules around obtaining dual citizenship. And it has to do a lot with when somebody came into the United States and when they actually got naturalized and where they were from and who they married. It's, it's a very complicated process. Right. And the age of her mother there was a distance between my mother and laws had changed in that span of time. Okay. And so she was eligible, but family that was born afterwards were not eligible. Right. So you couldn't get an automatic just because your mother had Italian heritage. Right. At least that was the way I understood it at okay. the time. And that's really what everybody had 
kind of communicated to me because I'd asked a couple of different relatives and they all had said, no, we'd looked into it and it's not really possible. Right. And you hadn't had any chance to dig any further into your father's side of the family because in Italy, you've got this 23andMe, hey, I have family connections. And that just led you down this path. And it certainly was so bountiful. You had so many people to talk to that really wasn't on your schedule. And it took a while for me to even ask my mother any details about my father. It wasn't until I actually did an Ancestry.com test that I was able to find some family members from my father's side. My mother finally had felt comfortable enough sharing his name. And it was it was very complicated to find out who he was. And this was DNA, you said, through this, Ancestry. This again was DNA. Ancestry.com yeah. also just has um, genealogy, but it also has a DNA component. Right. And that's what I went through. And it was way more complicated than 23andMe. So even though I had done a test, it took a while for me to understand who actually was on that side of the family versus my mother's side. Yeah, I remember you having a hard time trying to figure out, even when you got the name, it still wasn't clear which one this could be. Again, there's Italian naming here yes. where everyone likes to have the same name because <laughs> they're honoring great uncles so-and-so and yeah. So I, at one point... I, we were actually house hunt or apartment hunting and I went ahead and had called somebody that I thought was my father and I wasn't a million percent positive, right. but I thought that he at least had the same name. He fit into the age bracket. It all seemed to line up. So I had left a voicemail on his wife's phone because his phone, he didn't have a phone number attached to his name. And I just left a message saying, I think that I might be related and I just wanted to explore it a bit. That was one of those, it doesn't appear like it does on Oprah. <laughs> and we were looking at one of the apartments and we were waiting to get in and I got a phone call and it was this woman who was very skeptical about who I was. And I didn't have the luxury of having a soft landing or an introduction the way right. I did with meeting my mother. And this was a cold call, basically. This, this was kind of a cold call. Yeah. And she ended up hanging up on me, which was very hard. It's hard. It's understandable. You know, people scam older people all the time. They try to con them into something. I understand why there was that hesitancy. Yeah, there was no connection to that person. Right. And and I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure. I was probably 90% sure. But at the same time, I also recognized that getting the relationship that I had with my mother's family was beyond my wildest dreams. So if this relationship didn't work out, yeah. and I... It wasn't the end of the world. And it also, I wasn't as invested in in resolving this part of the story either. Right. It was important for me to tell my mother how much I valued and respected her decision and appreciated everything. It's different, I think, sometimes for a man. So I didn't really have that same driving interest in connecting. Yeah, the woman really does all the work, <laughs> carrying a child, giving birth, and having that connection from day one, you're you're living with this child. Yeah, that's a whole different experience than the guy who may or may not have had much involvement at all in a relationship. Right. I knew he knew about me mm -hmm. because I found that out through the identifying information. So 
this wasn't going to be completely out of the blue that he found out that he had a child. But at the same time, as a woman, I could more easily relate to my mother's journey than I could to my father's. Certainly. And he did not probably think as much about it as she did. It was just a beautiful thing that you were able to find so much family on your mother's side. And I think that's the way we talked about it when you got pushed back a couple of times with these phone calls. It's like, you know what? You've got such a beautiful gift with the family you found. You can't really be sad about this. And we don't know what that family's like anyway. I mean, we hit it out of the park with this family. They were so loving. So many of them just came to us and just said, we're so glad you're with our family. We're so glad you're here. I don't know. It's, it's pretty rare. I don't know if a lot of people get that experience. Part of the reason that I wanted to explore this was if we were interested in dual citizenship and that option was cut off to us from my mother's side of the family, we wanted to at least delve into right. whether it was feasible from my father's side. Maybe his father hadn't naturalized as quickly or as early as possible, and maybe he was a direct connection that you could just say, oh, yeah, because I'm related to him, I now can just claim citizenship. Yeah, the... New apartment outside of the experience with you couldn't connect with your dad gave me a boost. I think it gave us a boost. We started setting up house. You know, when you get a new place, you you start thinking about, well, we could move this here. We could decorate this there. It, it just felt like here's stuff we can do. We're not locked in. We're actually in a space that we want to decorate. We want to explore how we can make it look for us and and find these cozy spots. There's one spot in our dining room that's right by a window that you can actually look out and see the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. And sure, let's let's enjoy this new space that we have. And it gave me a lot of energy. Let's not forget that you ended up buying a nice Italian espresso machine. And so that's been the nook that we have coffee in every morning and that you make for me now, which is super fun. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, She drank coffee first, a very mocha up coffee. (laughs) And I got into that a little bit and then I was drinking mochas and wanted to get into more serious coffee. And this apartment was just an excuse because our last apartment had two fuses, uh, one to run all the power on a little 20 amp fuse and one to run all the lights. So we couldn't have put this espresso machine in the other apartment if we wanted to. It would have blown out that fuse every single time. This apartment had modern wiring. It's a 1920s apartment, but everything had been updated. So it's like, hey, we got the space for this. Let's get a real nice coffee machine. It was the opportunity to almost have a fresh start. It was, it was. And I think you... Got a, I mean, that kitchen was bigger. Oh, yeah, which which is partly why I was able to do all of the cooking that I was able to do. And, and it was really fun. In fact, my aunt in San Francisco had given me a gift certificate where we ended up cook, doing a cooking class over Christmas. And it was to make some Italian recipes, which... I don't know, it was just a really, first of all, to be cooking with her and then also having it be Italian uh, traditional foods. Because there was a there was an actual teacher on a Zoom call. Right. And how Mm -hmm. many, was you and your aunt or was there anybody else? Yeah, it was like a whole class. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a big class. It was maybe six or eight people, but but still it was quite cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. (laughs) I benefited with more food. (laughs) And in fact, I was able to give some, I, I sent some to my mother as well. So oh, that's right. yeah. yeah, it all came full circle. It was just really, really precious. It was a really lovely end to a very rough year for me. And, and I felt like we move forward. 
you know, we had this setback with that COVID locking us down. We couldn't have the family connections that we wanted to face to face, but we were very creative and took some chances and came out really pretty nicely on the other side. For the fact that it was a hard year, it still managed to have bright spots in it. Yeah. A lot of really bright spots. And the whole idea of dual citizenship was really kind of sticking in my head because we couldn't travel all that year. We traveled a lot in 2019. Thank goodness we took multiple trips. We, we thought we were being excessive with three big trips in 2019. I think 2019. we had four. Yeah, maybe we had four. I don't know. I can't remember. But it was a lot of trips, and we felt a little guilty. And then 2020 happened, and we're like, we're not guilty at all. That was a great <laughs> year. I'm, I'm so glad we did that because it was no trips. And we really wanted to get back to Italy, and we really wanted to investigate. Maybe we could live there. In the next episode, we're going to talk about our deep dive into dual citizenship and start on the second part of this podcast, which is really trying to get over there, trying to live in Europe, trying to live in Italy and how that goes. If you're enjoying following along with us, please give us a like on YouTube and consider subscribing so you don't miss any episodes. We're also curious to know if you have any adoption stories or birth family stories of your own that you'd like to share. We would love to hear more about them. You can throw those in the comments on YouTube or you can look at findinggenamarie.com, contact us there. And, you know, we have all the information on our other episodes. We'd love to have you share that with other people if you can. We're trying to grow this community, trying to share this story with more people. And I know there's a lot of people out there that have adoption questions or adoption stories, or maybe they're looking to explore new countries. Dual citizenship. Right. All that could be interesting. And we just love to have more people talking to us and enjoying what we're putting out there. Until next time. Until next time.